Here we are on December 22nd, now just, uh, what, three days from Christmas, and that probably means you've got um, maybe two days of shopping time left, or maybe even only uh, one and a half days. Um, Yesterday was the first day of winter, wasn't it? And we set a record for about 81 degrees. I wonder if that's a sign of what winter is going to be like. I I found it very interesting uh, as I had to go out and do some things that uh, traffic wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I didn't sit in traffic and places I had to go weren't all that crowded, you know, and that. And and, um, uh, maybe you had a different experience where you were, but it didn't hit me all that hard uh, with what I experienced out there. But I did get amused that uh, one of the... Uh, one of my friends that I follow on Twitter uh, commented about the weather, and he said, when you factor in the windshield today, it's only 72 degrees. So we'll be probably doing that a little bit later on. Well, uh, with six less shopping days, some people might get in a, in a hurry, and it's the first time in 11 years that this has happened, just a strange way the calendar fell. And so you might be the recipient of some gifts that may be not up uh, to par as uh, some things in the past or what you might anticipate. So... To prepare you for that, I want to give you 10 things you can say in response to a gift that you really don't appreciate, okay? All right, the first thing is is to say, hey, well, that's a gift, you know? Number nine, you look at it and you say, well, well, well. Number eight, boy, if I hadn't recently shot up four sizes, this would fit me perfectly. Number seven, this is perfect for wearing around the attic. Number six, I hope this never catches fire. It is fire season, and sometimes there are unexplainable fires that take place. Number five, if the dog buries it, I'll be furious. Number four, I like this one. I love it, but I fear the jealousy it will inspire. (laughs) Number three, sadly, tomorrow I enter the Federal Witness Protection Program. Number two. To think I got this wonderful present the year I vowed to give all my gifts to charity. And then the number one thing you can say, I really don't deserve this. (laughs) Or you can do what 32% of all Americans have said they have done with a gift that they didn't like. They re-gifted it. You know what that means? They wrapped it up and they gave it to somebody else. That's called re-gifting. That's another one of our words in our culture and society today. So... Well, here we are, ready to celebrate Christmas, just a few days away from that. Maybe you've got all your shopping done, and we know that we do all of that because we expect to give and to receive gifts at Christmas. God started that by giving us His Son, Jesus Christ. The wise men came, and they didn't come empty-handed. They came and they brought gifts uh, that they gave to the baby Jesus, who would be the king. And, And so we expect gifts to be given. But when we look at the promises that God has made to us about the the Christmas announcement and about what Jesus would bring, I think one of them about being peace and the Prince of Peace, as we heard in the Advent readings and lighted the candle today, is that maybe we struggle with that concept and say, well, what happened? Where is that peace? You say, I'm full full of anxiety and tension and frustration because we live in the world of, uh, in the age of anxiety, it's called. And then we know the reality of conflicts all over the world. Uh, we baptized a young man as a soldier this morning. And we've got others who are around the world in different hot spots. Uh, some that we're not even aware of publicly. Because nations are rising up against nations. And we know that that continues to happen. 
And then when we look at the home scene, we know that the home front's not that good as, uh, as well either about uh, a peace. Uh, an interesting, and guys, you need to, need to listen to this. An interesting article in the Christian Post that reported a story about a man who jumped seven stories to his death in a mall after more than five hours of shopping with his girlfriend. Guys, it doesn't get that bad. Hang in there, okay? The only place I could figure he would set, jump seven stories in the Mall of America. That's the only place that I've been to there. That's big, you know? All right, now, how many of you watched the Auburn-Alabama football game? Okay, it was ending right as the Carolina-Clemson game that was coming on or in that, in the beginning of that or whatever like that. Well, you know that Alabama was supposed to win and go play for the national championship. Well, it ended up that with one second left, they tried a long field goal that fell short. The guy from Auburn caught the ball, and then he ran it back 100 yards for a touchdown. Auburn wins the game. They're playing in the national championship game, okay? A lot of upset Alabama fans, but not as much as Adrian Brisky because she shot and killed one of her friends, Michelle Shepard, after the game. And when they were interrogating her, they asked her why she shot a friend, and they were both Alabama fans. She said Michelle wasn't upset as she should have been at Alabama lost. I guess only in Alabama, hmm? where sport is more than a sport. It's like a religion, right? So as wonderful as the Christmas season is, sometimes we get stressed. Sometimes there's conflict and pain. As one lady said, Christmas would be a wonderful holiday if I just had the time to enjoy it. And so I hope that you will. At the same time, I want to give us some insight into the meaning of this concept of peace that we are promised in the birth of Jesus, the baby of Bethlehem. I want us to look at that Isaiah passage uh, that was read earlier and add one more verse to it because I think that adds a little bit more meaning to the understanding of that prophecy. And then to look at Luke's account in in chapter 2, the one I think that most of us treasure about the birth of Christ. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, we read these words about the promise of this child coming. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. All right, there's that promise that he will be the Prince of Peace and he will reign on his Father's throne and he will accomplish that. And that will be what he will bring about. Now, let's look at the first 14 verses in Luke chapter 2 for the birth of Jesus. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. All right, there's two passages there that we look at. Isaiah 9, Jesus is promised as the Prince of Peace. How do we interpret that with all the violence that's going on today? Well, we simply have to understand that Isaiah is looking way into the future. And he's talking about a time that will come later in the second coming of Christ when Christ will establish His kingdom on earth. And He will rule. And there will be peace. No more conflict because there will be no more sin. Nothing that will cause conflict in that new millennial kingdom and in the new heaven and the new earth. So, how do we interpret the rest of this? Well, we look also at what Luke says about that he came to bring peace. And peace on earth, goodwill to men is basically uh, the way that we remember that passage. And what that speaks about is that in the midst of the reality of anxiety and conflict and struggles and strife and good news and bad news during this Christmas season and all year long, we can still experience a sense of peace that only God can give to us. So, how, how do we experience that sense of peace? Let me, let me suggest three ways today. First of all, we can experience peace within ourselves. Uh, even living in this age of anxiety, there is a way that we can live with a sense of peace in our lives. I found it interesting uh, that a Duke University study a few years ago on peace of mind uh, found eight factors that contributed greatly to emotional and mental stability. And that will give you peace if you experience that. All right, so here they are. Number one is the absence of suspicion and resentment. In other words, if you're bitter and holding a grudge, you're the only one suffering from that. So don't do that. Get rid of the suspicion and resentment. Number two, not living in the past. If you continue to live in the past, all you're going to remember are the sins, the failures, and the disappointments. So live in the future. Then number three, don't waste time and energy fighting conditions you cannot change. You know, part of that great serenity prayer is that we're supposed to have the wisdom given to us from God to know the difference between things we can change and things we have to accept. All right, number four is to force yourself to stay involved with the living world. Sometimes with all this stuff that's going on, we want to withdraw and, re- and retreat from it. And you have a better emotional state if you are readily involved in what's going on in the world. Number five is refuse to indulge in self-pity. You know, everybody gets a a raw deal and a bad break every now and then. And the reality is that even during the time of Christmas, we deal with the reality of death. Uh, I had a funeral in here Friday for one one of our Sunday school members. And and there are other families that are going through that same experience this weekend. You see, but you can't wallow in self-pity. You've got to look at the promise of what God has given to us. Number six, cultivate the old-fashioned virtues like love, humor, compassion, and loyalty. Uh, number seven, do not expect too much of yourself. Now, you should challenge yourself, but don't have unrealistic goals of what you're going to be and do and accomplish because that will only lead to more frustration in your life. Now, that leads us to number eight. I want you to listen to this one. Find something bigger than yourself to believe in. Self-centered, egotistical people score lowest in any test for measuring happiness and peace. I find it very interesting, that's number eight, and it comes up in that Duke survey. Because I believe that that's what the Bible has been telling us for centuries upon centuries. God says you can have a sense of peace when you put your faith in Him and commit your life to Him. In fact, Psalm 4 verse 8 says, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell 
in safety. We have a lot of distractions to our peace, and we always will have that. But the promise of God is that He will give us peace, and we can know that peace within our life. And how does that come about? Now listen to Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Another translation says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you whose thoughts are fixed on you. You see how we get peace? Perfect peace is linked with being fixed on God. And see, if we go through our life and go through our day, we're going to go through a constant flux of contradictions to peace. There are going to be bad experiences at school sometimes. There's going to be bad experiences at work. You're going to have bad experiences in some of the shopping places where you go. You'll probably have a lot of bad experiences doing, doing this mad rush here the last couple of days. You're going to have some bad experiences at home. But the reality is in the midst of all of those you can have peace. And that is you continue to focus your thought and your total being on God. You focus on Him and He removes all the distractions that cause you to be anxious. And what we do then is that we experience the peace that's promised in Philippians 4.7. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful promise of that peace in it. And the way that we receive that peace in the midst of all this anxiety around us is that we stay focused on God. We trust in Him and we put our thoughts on Him. Now the second peace that I think that is, is promised to us in the birth of Jesus is that we can experience peace in the challenging times of life. There will be challenging times in life. Uh, in this age of anxiety, a term that psychiatrists have come to use a great deal uh, is known by its initials, LFT, which stands for Low Frustration Tolerance. And the reality is that Americans are, are, are walking time bombs. We're, we're just moments away from one more event that would cause us to blow our stack. We don't have patience. We certainly aren't exhibiting peace in our life. Uh, we don't have a sense of understanding or forgiveness that we need to offer to others. We just got that low frustration tolerance. Just the smallest thing can tick us off. And we just blow things out of proportion and then we blow our top. What we need is peace and the power of peace to enable us to handle the challenging circumstances of life. And when we're in relationship with God through faith in Christ, that's what we experience. In John 16, John quotes Jesus as saying this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, the reality of what we celebrate at Christmas is that Jesus came 2013 years ago so that we can live in peace. He defeated the world's distractions and stresses by the way that He lived. And then He went to the cross and He died for us and our sins. And that means we no longer have to live in anxiety about the past and about our sins and about our guilt. But we can look to Jesus and know that as we have our faith in Him, we accept Him as the Messiah and as the Savior and as the Christ child born, that we then have that wonderful sense of peace that comes when we are totally committed to Him, and that when we experience what He has experienced in life. I mean, you look at the life of Jesus. He knew that He came to earth with a mission, to seek and to save that which was lost. He knew the only way that that would take place was by going to the cross. He knew that He had a limited number of years in which He 
was able to fulfill that. And yet we never see Jesus anxious or hurried or frustrated by crowds or the interruptions that come into, came into his life every day. He would have time to get up early in the morning and go pray. He would have time to take a nap and, and the peace to be able to take a nap in a boat when the disciples thought they were going to drown and the boat would be torn apart in a storm on the Sea of Galilee. And all the interruptions that came into his life. You know what? I have to confess, I have a tough time with it. I have for almost 38 years in ministry. I know I've got to be here at a certain time and have something done. And somebody says, you got a second? And you know what that's like. I, and I find myself with body language that I'm trying, I'm keep moving over here to this thing. And I end up kind of turning away from that person. And I, I don't think Jesus ever did that. I mean, he was in the midst of dealing with one crisis when the woman came and touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus stopped and did that. And I always, man, I, I've always thought, boy, if I had been that anxious father that who first got Jesus' attention, I'd probably blow in my stack. Come on, we got to go. And Jesus had everything in control, didn't he? He lived in peace. Now, what, 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 what we gain from that is that if we allow Jesus into our life and we accept the peace that he brings to us, in all the, the difficult times of life, we can claim that peace. In Isaiah 54.10, the prophet Isaiah says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Now, what does that mean in real life today? That means when relationships crumble, God can give you peace. That means when tragedy strikes, God will give you peace. That means when your circumstances are troubling, God will give you peace. When you face the reality of grief, God will give you peace. When you come to a crossroads in your life about a decision that you need to make. Do I take this job? Do I move to this place? Do I accept this position? You know, what's, what's God wanting me to do with this? God gives you a sense of peace about that. See, the promise of Jesus in John 14, 27 is this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not let them be afraid. See, we can't have that peace in the midst of all the circumstances of life that cause us to be anxious. And then there's that third sense of peace that I think we can really grab hold to. And that is, we can experience peace with God. You know what the reality of Christmas is? It's God's offer of reconciliation to us in the birth of Jesus Christ. God came to us when we couldn't go to Him. Because of Adam and Eve's sin and the fall, and because of sin in this world... And all of us have sin in our life. And all of us had sin in our life. When we were, we were not righteous and we were not holy. And we couldn't have a relationship with God. We were separated from God. And there was anxiety about that. And there was nothing we could do on our part. But God took the initiative. And he sent Jesus Christ as a baby born in Bethlehem. To go to the cross when he was a mature man. And to die there at as a replacement for us, for our sin, and literally to become sin on our behalf. You see, God's righteous demand still had to be satisfied. We couldn't do it. But His perfect Son, Jesus Christ, could do it. And He sent Him. And He was obedient to that mission. And when Jesus went to the cross, God was judging our sins so that they would be forgiven. Why? 
so that God could fulfill the original reason as to why he created us. And that's because he wanted fellowship with us. He wanted a relationship with us. And that's reconciliation when our sins are forgiven and we embrace Jesus Christ as Savior. So Christmas is about reconciliation with God. Let me tell you a story. I read, I read about a man named James Harris who was, was divorced from his wife. He had one child, she had the other child. But came the Christmas season, he took out an ad in the classified ad section of the Arkansas Democrat. I'm assuming by that this is a paper in one of the cities in Arkansas, okay? And the ad said, wanted, needy family for single father and his son to spend Christmas with. Well, the press picked up on that and it went all over the United States. He got all kinds of phone calls and requests, but the one that got him was his ex-wife called him. His ex-wife called him. And he invited her and the other child to come and spend Christmas with him and the other child. At the end of the Christmas holidays, they were reconciled. They were a family again because they were remarried. That's a Christmas story of reconciliation, isn't it? You see, Christmas is about reconciliation with God. And he offers that opportunity only through Jesus Christ, and that's why he had to send Jesus to us. That's why Jesus was born. That's why he grew to manhood and had his ministry and trained disciples to follow after him and left us all this great teaching. And that's why Jesus ultimately went to the cross. So that he could die in your place for your sins and become the judgment of God upon sin so that we could be reconciled to God. And when we confess our sins and embrace what Jesus did and we allow him to be the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our life, then we're reconciled with God. In other words, we are at peace with God. And that's what the scripture says in in, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It tells us that when uh, we have, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're anxious, then come to Jesus. You know, if, if you're bitter about something, then come to Jesus. If you're concerned about relationships, then come to Jesus. Remember that it's in him and only in him is the Prince of Peace. That one day the world will be totally under his control. He'll be the Prince of Peace and be no more conflict. But in the meantime, he can resolve that conflict in your life as you trust in him as the Son of God and the Messiah. And you come and you worship him like the shepherds and the wise men did in the Christmas story. Father, today we continue to thank you for this wonderful season as we approach once again celebrating the birth of your Son, our Savior, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. But Father, you know the reality of our life, that there's conflict and turmoil and some pain and suffering that continues to go on. And while we wonder about the peace that Jesus can bring to us, help us to open our spiritual eyes so that we can understand the truth of Scripture that one day, the kingdom of peace will reign upon this earth. And all who have trusted in Christ will be a part of that. And in the meantime, for all of us who have trusted in Christ, help us to remember to keep our mind and our hearts steadfastly focused on you and trust in you so that we can find the peace that Jesus promises that passes understanding and not as the world gives to us, that's some kind of panacea, but that we find the real ultimate peace that comes only in a relationship with you through faith in Jesus Christ. So, Father, my prayer for all of us today is that we will come to know that peace.
and claim the promise of peace through Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate. Amen.